0: all delulu besties welcome
1: this is a safe space to vent talk shit reflect and most importantly keep it real
0: it's better to trauma dump here so that we don't explode on innocent randos just admit it you're bothered What's up Delul Besties? Welcome back to another episode of Balancing the Bullshit. Hi. Hope everybody had a great happy new year. Or wait, the year's just starting.
1: Yeah. Which is saying Happy
0: New
2: Year?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Happy New Year. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Never starting off twenty twenty four really well. Great. So we have another exciting episode for you guys today. It's part two of our conversation with me and Karen's life coach, Laura Latimer. The goddess. Yes, the queen herself. And this final part of the episode, we will be going over self-esteem and how it relates to rejection.
0: Okay, wait. First, I had another epiphany
1: oh god shocker (laughs) i'm telling you this is how we're gonna start off every episode is karen's epiphany hour (laughs) okay
0: the thing is though i don't know why these things come to me and i think they're epiphanies it's like shit that i already know but then i guess i just realize things in a more profound way i feel like
1: that's an epiphany yeah that still counts as an epiphany i think yeah
0: so listen to what happened okay so the guy i've been dating david a few days ago, we were at his house and he had made some comment at some point in the day like, oh, I'm going to text my coworker and try to get my work back before the weekend is over. That way I could prep my work and then be ready to go Monday.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then at one point during that weekend, we were at his house and I think I had gone outside to my car for something and I noticed there was a girl sitting in her car right outside of his house so I went back in and I was like hey check your phone I don't know how long this girl's been sitting there or if that's your coworker, but it, is that her mm-hmm. and he was like oh shit yeah let me go out there real quick and then he came back in with his work bag and I forgot exactly what he said but something along the lines of not wanting me to worry and I was like oh, oh I yeah. give zero fucks right <laughs> like, like that
1: didn't even cross your mind yeah right? I was
0: not threatened at all or anything right but it's crazy because then I was like, holy shit, your body always knows. Like a lot of times, especially in dating or really in any situation in life, we always know what's up, but then it's mm-hmm. hard for our minds to come to terms and accept it for what it is. Yeah. Okay, so listen to this the money launderer the other david that i had met i don't know 2 or 3 years ago at this point <laughs>
2: yeah at the we dog just park too money yeah <laughs> money Launderer.
0: <laughs> when he and i had gone to vegas for our fifth date a girl was watching his dog and I was so sketched out by it. So it's almost identical situations to current David having a girl drop off his work back and I gave zero fucks right. versus old David having a girl watch his dog. But by that, I was like, mm, I bet he's sleeping with her, like something shady is going on. Mm. I don't trust him. Yep. And I feel like in a lot of situations too, so many girls like, you know, guys are like, you're crazy or whatever. But we're not fucking crazy. Our bodies just know. So we're sketched out. It's for a reason. And you got to trust that. Because to my point, this case with new David, I'm not sketched out. So that goes to say a lot. And okay, here's the crazier part. So Noah, the guy that I dated, I don't even know, like 500 years ago, when I was Mm -hmm. living in San Francisco. I had never gone through anyone's phone, like a guy's phone, because usually I am super chill unless I get these moments where my body is like, hmm, something feels off, and then I start to feel sketched out for yeah. whatever reason, mm-hmm. and one day, we were just hanging out at his apartment, and he was in the restroom, and I just got this random thought that I needed to go through his phone, and I did, and I felt crazy doing it, but his ex-girlfriend was sexting him. Oof. Yeah, and he wasn't entertaining it i mean he was like he wasn't sexting her back but it's not like he blocked her number he was replying i was like what the fuck are you doing and then he had the audacity to try to tell me i was crazy for going through his phone and i was like Mm, no motherfucker my intuition told me to go through your phone and obviously it was for a reason and then the crazier part is shortly after that I moved back to Austin and we were doing long distance for a little bit. And this is so crazy. How many times have I said crazy?
1: (laughs) You're crazy for saying crazy that many times. (laughs) Okay. What was so crazy?
0: Oh, wait. Yeah. Well, well,
1: you moved back to Austin and y'all were doing lot long distance.
0: Okay. So I wake up one day and I'm like, He's having coffee with this girl right now. I know he's hanging out with her. And I just deep down knew. It was the same feeling as with the money launderer where I was so sketched out that Mm -hmm. I just knew, but obviously had no proof. And then my roommate from San Francisco, she was still living in the building where he was living in because we all lived in the same building. Mm -hmm. And she called me and was like, hey, what does his ex-girlfriend look like? Because I think I just saw them together at the coffee shop.
1: No way.
0: Yeah, so I called him and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he was like, you're crazy. You're having your friends keep tabs on me. Oh, God. First of all, you're not that important. We're not stalking you. It was just a coincidence. Second of all... My friends don't even have to confirm this. My intuition and my body knew.
1: That's insane.
0: Isn't that wild, obviously? No, that's so
1: crazy. There
0: have been so many moments in life where I'm like, oh, I don't know, what do I do? It's not like my intuition and body talk to me every single time. Or I don't know, maybe they do. But these times have just been so loud. I, yeah. But yeah, when they do talk to y'all, listen.
1: Right. Yeah, your body knows. Yeah. I think you especially... Since I've known you, I've seen so many examples. I really think you have psychic abilities, (laughs) just a little bit, that you could really tap into. I don't know,
0: though. I think everybody...
1: Everyone does. Yeah. But, you know, certain people can tell better than the others.
0: Maybe it just takes practice. So It's not about me having psychic abilities versus other people not. I think it just takes practice getting the hang, like knowing when to listen, how to listen, what it's trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. So the more you do it, the better you'll get at yeah,
1: it. Yeah. I love it. You're going to start getting vision Wild.
0: soon. Oh my God. That would be so cool. <laughs> right?
1: Like Raven. <laughs> like, yes. That's, that's Raven. so
0: Raven.
2: That's yeah. so Karen. <laughs>
1: yes. I love it. Oh my God. I can't wait. And before we get onto the episode, we are going to do our weekly card with the quote, question, and affirmation. So for today's card, our quote is... The more purposeful your life is, the less you'll envy the lives of others. We won't be distracted by comparison if we are captivated by purpose. Bob Goff.
0: Okay, wait. Bob is a genius. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's crazy. So when I was miserable in my corporate career, it's like every day I would wake up and I'd be like, fuck, I'm still here. Like I have another day on earth to do this goddamn life Mm -hmm. all over again. And I would just compare myself to people all the time, like on social media, people traveling. I'd be like, oh, I wish I had money to travel, which I did travel all the time. But my comparison never made any sense. Or I would just compare to anything just because I was so miserable. I just saw mm-hmm. so many other people as like happy and I was so desperate for anything else other than my own life. And to the point of that quote, now that I've been out of my corporate career for a little over six months now, I don't even remember the last time that I've compared myself to anybody. I have been so focused on my own lane. So I started this before I left corporate life and it was really hard. I mentioned this in the last episode a little bit when we were talking with Laura, how I was like, Laura, I'm miserable. Get me out of this job. And she was like, it's not the job that's going to change your situation. You've got to create your own fulfillment and find your own happiness regardless of your outside situations. So I just started Mm -hmm. focusing on my dog, yoga, meditating, journaling, things that were bringing me fulfillment. So I think by focusing on all that, it's just crazy how now my life is filled completely with All things that fulfill me and then everything that wasn't fulfilling me, it just all kind of naturally fell out of my life.
1: Yeah, because you were only putting energy into the things that you were working on and not comparing yourself to others or what could go wrong.
0: Isn't that crazy how energy works? Yeah everything just somehow one way or another fell out of my life and it was all out of my control. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have made all of those things to happen or I didn't make those things happen. They all happen on their own.
1: Right. You didn't even have to try really. Yeah.
0: Now I just feel so liberated to be content with my own life and no longer be focused on what anyone else is doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thanks. So inspiring.
0: <laughs> okay. So here's the question. When and where do I find myself stuck in comparison?
1: oh okay this is a really good question for me right now where i am in my life and i actually talked to laura about this last week when we met about how i have been having imposter syndrome lately and i was having these feelings and i didn't know what to call it and she helped me realize like oh this is imposter syndrome so Aww. basically for anyone who doesn't know what that is it's so you're in a, a position of maybe power or you're just in a new job or anything like that. And you Wait, start- your
0: eyebrows look so good, by oh the way. God, thank
1: you. <laughs> I, just, I
0: can't stop staring at them. <laughs>
1: thank you. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, so you're starting a new job or even in school or something like that. And you have the fear that you're not good enough and people are going to be able to kind of see through you and see that you don't know as much as you think you're supposed to or you don't have the skills that you should.
0: Is it kind of like when you've reached quote unquote success, you're in the room with successful people and you're like, oh shit, oh yeah, like they're I all better than me. Right, like, like I don't
1: belong here. I don't yeah. measure up. I just got my personal training certificate and that's my first step into working for myself and starting my own business. And it's something I've, always wanted to do but I've been putting off for so long and now I'm here and I'm thinking oh what if people realize I don't know what I'm doing what if I made a mistake what if I'm terrible at this it's just all the doubts yeah and really it's just me needing to try and try and if I fail it's okay and just keep going instead of worrying again going back to what the quote was not comparing myself to others because I'll see other personal trainers on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, then that's when I'll start comparing mm, myself, you know?
0: Yeah. Obviously, I know because I'm in your situation all the time, not with personal training, but just for whatever in my own life, and mm-hmm. I've definitely felt that way. But from an outsider's perspective, It's so funny how our mind really gets the best of us because me looking at you ever since you, before you even passed the test, when you were like, oh, I'm thinking about maybe looking into it and seeing if it's something I'm interested in, a light bulb went off in my head and I was Mm -hmm. like, holy shit, that is so fitting for you. I really see it. You would be so good at it. And obviously you're fit AF. People are going to want your advice. And also obviously, failure is inevitable. People fear failure for whatever reason. It's the same thing as trial and error. You have to fail in order to learn. So it's funny how we fear that because it's literally a part of the
1: process. Yeah, there's another way to do it. It's a
0: positive thing. Right.
1: Yeah. That's why I keep reminding myself is it's good to try and fail. It doesn't make sense for you to just be perfect at it. And everything to work out right off the bat. You yeah, know. and
0: if it was, then you'd take it for granted because you didn't have to work hard for it. You'd probably be bored of it.
1: Right. Going back to the imposter syndrome thing, it's also interesting to think about when you are looking at other people. Say, looking at another personal trainer or just someone who has a podcast or is on YouTube or someone else in that type of position. We don't actually judge them and think, oh, I can see right through them. They don't know... What they're talking about. You know what I mean? We yes. judge ourselves so much harder than we're judging other people in the same situation.
0: Yes. Even people that are brand new. We're like, oh, that's so cool that they're doing that. Let me right. check it out. I'm yeah. curious.
1: Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so it's just so, so interesting Yeah, that we judge ourselves Our minds so are much wild. harder than other people. I know.
0: <laughs> so for anybody who wants to work on this, here's the affirmation for the week. My focus is fixed on my path and mine alone. Oh, okay. And by the way, this episode with Laura and then the one from last week too, these are things that you're going to have to listen to over and over again. I don't know what it is about how our minds work, the way that we absorb information, but I had to listen to last week's episode, obviously, for the first time when we recorded with Laura, then the second time while I was editing, and then the third time once it was released and I listened to the final product. Mm-hmm. Every single time I had so many epiphanies that helped me transform. I feel like now I'm an even newer and better version of myself than I was last week because of listening to this talk three times Yeah, and I've been working with her for four years. So it's not like anything she said on last week's episode. I haven't already heard. It's just, I don't know the way that our brains work with processing information. I I don't know. But yeah, listen to this on replay.
1: Yeah. 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 You'll pick (laughs) up on different stuff. Each time. And I think it also just depends where your headspace is at when you're listening. And the more you learn things, you're going to start picking up and interpreting things differently as well. True.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So moving on to self-esteem. According to Very Well Mind's developmental psychology theory on self-esteem... They said that self-esteem tends to be lowest in childhood and increases during adolescence as well as adulthood, eventually reaching a fairly stable and enduring level. This makes self-esteem similar to the stability of personality traits over time, which I found this really interesting because a lot of times I always felt like the victim, like I've been wronged in childhood. I could have had better parents who didn't abandon me, blah, blah, blah. And I also kind of threw myself a pity party. Well, after I got over the shock factor, when Laura was like, let's work on your self-esteem. First, I was like, what is self-esteem? Yeah. Then I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Then I was like, no, no, no. I have high (laughs) self-esteem. I'm good. Yeah. We don't need to work on that. But this quote is really humbling because it goes to show that every kid, no matter how great of parents or or how perfect of a life you might think you had in childhood, every kid starts out with low self-esteem and then you have to do the work, take accountability to build it and it starts to increase a little bit in childhood as you're growing up, I guess through sports, but like take responsibility as an adult and build it.
3: I I think it's a great quote a great place to, to start I am glad that we're talking about this I mean we could spend we could spend forever on self esteem
1: oh my god yeah, yeah. I definitely could <laughs>
3: it's such a big topic but I do think there are a lot of misconceptions about self esteem as you <laughs> experienced directly I also experienced that where I, I when it was revealed to me that I might struggle with self esteem years ago I was like <laughs>
1: <laughs> you've got the wrong person yeah,
3: <laughs> I'm like in a PhD program yeah. I, mean, I
2: think I'm fine
3: but it's because you didn't understand what it was right yes, so there's a lot is. of misconceptions about it and the misconceptions keep us from progressing clearly as demonstrated right because we're like no that's not me but there's a lack of agreement on what this is for, for some people even experts in the field so it's understandable that we might not know exactly what we're talking about uh, especially because we're all reflecting on the this like self-esteem generation which is maybe a little bit y'all but actually I think maybe even a little bit younger than y'all where mm-hmm. it's like everybody gets a ribbon this everybody gets a ribbon generation where they mm-hmm. think that that's like bad because then people are never understanding like what it's like to face adversity and to mm-hmm. have to build those things Whatever. And so sometimes that gets really lumped in with self-esteem. But self-esteem isn't about achievements or accolades. That's so confusing for people sometimes, right? Because they're like, well, if I do all these things and get good grades, and but that's not the, the true place. Mm-hmm. Those are all forms of external validation, which as we've talked about, shaky ground, right? The yeah. shaky ground from which to build this like enduring sense of self that we're trying to build here. Self-esteem is what I think of me, not what others think of me. So mm-hmm. and then we see how that ties into what we have talked about already, rejection and values. It can't be this primarily intellectual pursuit. So if we just focus on affirmations, essentially, which is like, I am great. I can do things or what well, I don't even, I don't do affirmations. Maybe that's a blind spot, but. If that's how somebody approaches building self-esteem, it's, it's only going to take them so far and it's a very short distance. It's a self-reinforcing characteristic, Mm self-esteem. So when we have confidence in our abilities and in ourselves to think and act effectively, then we persevere when we're faced with a challenge, right? We like rejection, like when Mm -hmm. we've been rejected. That's a challenge, right? We persevere in those situations, which then continues to just reinforce the self-esteem, right? But when the self-esteem is low, that also gets reinforced. So you have to be careful about what
2: you're reinforcing here.
3: We have more successes. We form better relationships, you know, when we feel more confident to do these things. I think we also might need to redefine what success is when we're trying to build self-esteem. We've talked about this kind of nuance with our values and stuff, so we can do the same with success like what is a success really Mm -hmm. opening broadening our perspective of what that means we also tend to expect more from life and from ourselves when we have high self-esteem which then just continues to to help reinforce and then you can uphold your values there you go (laughs) but of course if we lack confidence then we give up easily we fail more often we aspire to less we are victims and then of course we get less of what we want. So
2: Mm
3: -hmm. if people are looking for a source, I love Nathaniel Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-E-N. He has lots of work on self-esteem. He has multiple books. I really like the six pillars of self-esteem. It's one of those books that I feel like you should just buy. And when you finish it, just start back over. Like just Mm -hmm. always be reading the book constantly oh, so, yeah i have a few books like that which mm-hmm. makes it hard to read new things so when we think about what the heck is self-esteem i really like the way he conceptualizes it and, and there's a lot more detail in the book and actually if you're interested in values it it totally piggybacks this book does like it's all about the things that we've talking about he defines self-esteem as a combination of self-efficacy and self respect. and What's like, self efficacy? Yep. People <laughs> 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 who are in the academic world, self efficacy is not a, a thing that you, not a term that people use outside. I'm mm-hmm.
2: very familiar with it
3: because it's a very, which is dumb that when academic terms, it, then they just get used in academia, right? And then really, <laughs>
2: <you
3: know, laughs> I did a, my master's thesis was on self efficacy. My students really like give me a hard time because I'm always like, y'all, self efficacy is awesome.
2: <laughs>
3: they're like, what? They're like, okay, I sure. The the class, like, I love self
1: advocacy. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I love it.
0: <laughs> All the Dululus are now going to be academia. Or academia?
1: Academia. Self advocacy is
3: basically like, if we just have to pick a non academic word, it's just your confidence, but it's very domain specific. So it's like, you might be super confident in this arena right here, but you might feel less confident when you try to go and like embark on some new relationship or go, you know, work for a new company or whatever, right? Like, it and it distinct, we can distinguish between self-efficacy and self-esteem by some of the things you talked about in the initial quote, which is that self-esteem is more of what I would call a global concept. Like personality is this like global meaning the whole person just kind of like in general, right? Self-efficacy is very specific and it's, it's, it's your confidence essentially. And then of course, self-respect, which is like my experiencing of myself as being deserving of happiness, deserving of achievement, deserving of love. Those two things together are kind of what make up self-esteem according to him, which I, I, Love that. I find it very mm-hmm. useful when I'm trying to explain it to people. I found it practically helpful for me as well. Also keep in mind that as much as I love self-esteem and self-efficacy, it's not a cure-all. It doesn't necessarily on its own inoculate us from anxiety, depression, stress. So
2: mm-hmm.
3: it's another way to kind of like, if you want to come at it in a different direction, is to not be so hard on ourselves when we notice that we're, struggling with anxiety, or depression, or stress, or whatever, not to be like, ah, if I could just figure out this self-esteem thing, then I wouldn't feel like this anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that some amount of, certainly stress, but I really think depression and anxiety, too, is just part and parcel of being human. We're just going yeah. to have to where we feel like that. Do we want to mm-hmm. minimize those? Yeah. And do we want to have the the lows not be quite as low. I like to think of them as potholes in the road. I want it to be, I want the diameter to be small. I want the depth to be shallow and I want it to be real far apart. Right. Mm-hmm. When I fall into my little potholes, that's kind of what I'm looking for in a depression or anxiety pothole. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're going to happen. Yeah. They're going to happen. So just, I love self-esteem, but it's not everything, right? And there is no like, okay, I've gotten there. Not everything else
2: will be fine. Yeah, which
1: I've struggled with that part my whole life. And it's the external validation, it took me forever to realize that doesn't fix anything. Like I was always if I look like this, then yeah. I'll feel better. If I get this person to like me, then I'll feel better. If I make this much money, yeah. yeah. It never it was just never enough. And then you just keep chasing and you just end up it. It just like ruins your entire life. Cause I went down such yeah. a long, dark path trying to chase that stuff.
3: Yeah. And so when yeah. we look at this, maybe you see why that doesn't work. Right. right. It's like we lived it and felt it didn't work. And then also like, Oh yeah. It's not fitting with this either. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The other hard thing about prepping for this category yeah. is
0: it's easy to say, like an example is, you know, if you have to watch your friends be in a toxic relationship, it's okay. so easy to be like, well, you deserve better. Get out okay. of that. But obviously they're not going to get out of it. Sure. So it's easy for us to sit here and be like, work on your self esteem. But like Danny and I, I feel like we kind of had to hit rock bottom until we finally were like, okay, now maybe it's time to
2: fix
1: things. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are like that. So I guess how can we help people who haven't hit rock bottom yet? Like, does everyone have to experience that rock in bottom. some way?
3: I don't know if this fits with every situation, but I do think it kind of does, and I also think it relates to things we talked about earlier. So sometimes, when we haven't hit rock bottom yet, it's because we're avoiding some amount of discomfort or pain, and we talked a little bit about oh, that yeah. with the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Well, if I if I really do those things, like, who am I even going to be, or like, what am I even going to do? Mm-hmm. There's some discomfort in thinking about leaving. You know, I somebody said it way more eloquently, but it's like the shittiness that you know is better than the possible wonderfulness, but it's unknown, mm-hmm. right? It's like just the familiarity will keep people. I mean, it's powerful. Yeah. So. When people are trying to avoid some amount of discomfort or pain, that can contribute to us not being able to to see that we have something to work on. When we're scared to look, then we just continue to avoid, which just reinforces the avoidance and the fear. There's usually some fear there. What's fascinating to me about that is that if you would talk to your friends who are in toxic relationships, I have a feeling they're in a lot of pain. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what what's up with that? They are feeling a lot of pain. Why are (laughs) they? But remember how we talked about earlier? There is a difference sometimes in being focused on this external source of pain versus the internal, really sitting with, like, oh shit, I have rejected myself and abandoned myself for years now. Mm-hmm. It's the avoidance of that pain that oftentimes will keep people in something that on the surface looks horrible, but it can be externalized a lot, right? They can be. Focus on the other person. Why? What's wrong with them? How can I change them? It's a lot of distraction. Also, it's touching on something we talked about earlier, which is when we haven't looked inward, we're just trying to to live out the thing, the cycle again, but change it this time, right? So when we notice that we get stuck on that, that's information. Like you know, I don't think I'm looking inward enough at this. I don't think I'm looking enough at myself. I'm too focused on usually the person or the
0: relationship or whatever. That's so funny. I feel like I just contradicted myself because I was coming at it from a place of, Oh, let's avoid rock bottom. But now this just reminded me of when I was at rock bottom and how proud I actually was after talking with you every session, I'd be like, wait, I have never looked at these wounds before. And I was so proud of myself for doing that. So mm-hmm. it's actually not something to fear. No, It can be really helpful.
3: I mean, yeah, I don't know why. I guess maybe there's stigma around rock bottom or something. I
1: don't know. So I think basically it sounds like you have to have some sort of awareness and desire to change. To So, for example, like if other people hit rock bottom, they may not have that desire or, I guess, awareness, so that they'll just keep doing the cycle over and over again.
3: I think awareness has a huge, yeah. plays a huge part in it, right? Mm-hmm. If they're, again, if their perspective is like, "Oh, it's this other person," or if I could just, if I could just change this like shallow level thing about me, right? Like, if yeah. I were more money, or if I just wasn't so needy, or whatever people right. focus on, then the person will like me, right? But that's completely focused on the other person, and mm-hmm. so yeah, having an awareness of like, "Whoa, maybe it's not about that other person at all." is necessary mm-hmm. now,
2: whether
3: we call that a rock bottom or not i mean you stay in this situation for a long time
1: in a lot of pain right yeah. Of pain. yeah yeah <laughs> no that makes me think a lot differently about it because i always thought oh i had to hit this rock bottom to change but i could have hit it and not change i w- but i still had you know the awareness to do something right. about
2: it for sure mm-hmm. excellent
0: okay. okay i have a question Good. What causes an adult to not develop properly in childhood and end up with a low self-esteem in adulthood?
3: Well, there's no one answer, unfortunately. But, you know, like we've talked about, kid brains really only have this one way to, to view things. The one way to filter all their experiences is like, it's about me. It's me, me, me. This is, and this is a biological thing, right? It's a developmental thing. They're only Their brains are only capable of this. But also, when we don't have caretakers who can help us effectively navigate feelings of like mm. of low self-esteem and childhood, for example, well, feelings of rejection or whatever. And it's usually because they're incapable of doing it for themselves, right? There's like yeah. kind of a generational effect where they're just like they didn't they didn't get that. Don't you know, learn how to do it, they didn't do it for, it for themselves, so they really don't have anything that they can pass on to you. You know, you can't transmit something that you don't have. <laughs> for
2: yourself.
3: And so, something that might not be pathological, right? It's not pathological to be faced with situations where, we, where we're like, oh, I don't, I feel kind of bad, like I feel rejected, or I feel down on myself. That in and of itself doesn't mean that something's gone wrong, it's what we do with it when it happens. Well. Kids' brains are only capable of so much. If they don't have caretakers who can help them kind of bridge the gap, learn, build, develop, then we grow up without that and mm-hmm. we struggle. And then we have to. I think that's what people mean when they say reparenting. I think that's it. You know, I've heard that term before. It's like, well, when we wake up and we're 30 or whatever, and we're realizing that we're still struggling, oh, we need to reparent in that way. We need to go back and have a different view on the setbacks that we've had. Mm -hmm. We've interpreted things because we didn't have somebody to, to help us when we were there before. Yeah. That makes a lot of
0: sense. Even thinking of my dad who, okay. I mean, obviously we're not psychologists who have diagnosed him, but I think we could agree (laughs) that he's a narcissist. (laughs) But also then looking at his parents who raised him, that generation, therapy wasn't a thing. They weren't emotionally mature. They didn't know how to handle their emotions. So it kind of makes sense that it's just now our generation who is becoming more open to therapy. We're the ones having to... Like Laura said, now repent ourselves with emotional maturity.
3: Yeah, and they they could have done that too, right? That's available to anybody. But as we've Mm -hmm. talked about, like some people just don't see it. Or they see it and they talk themselves out of it. And there are people who've had, you know, you don't need perfect parents, you just need good enough parents. And there are people Mm -hmm. who had good enough parents who still struggle with self esteem.
0: Yeah.
3: Because we don't exist in vacuums, me and the parent. We live in a society that makes it hard to, to develop that and, and really build it and then stay firm in it. So mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to acknowledge if for no other reason than to me, I know we, we've talked about this at different times, each of us separately, but to move away from the taking all the responsibility, the lens of Uh, It tends to be, when we look back on our childhood, and we're not even always really aware of this, but where we've taken too much responsibility for either societal conditioning or like the adults Mm -hmm. that were around us, for their behaviors, actions, thoughts, or the lack of. And so I feel like this is helpful in the sense that like, let's try to move away from that. Like, you're not fundamentally broken. You didn't get born wrong. You just might not have been exposed to the, the skills that you need to be exposed to. And it's helpful to put the responsibility where it lies, which is not solely on the shoulders of a child, and then move forward with mm-hmm. repairing themselves or whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, I, oh,
1: God. No, I was just going to say, which is very hard because I, for a long time, was telling myself all that stuff like, it's not your fault. You don't have to take all this responsibility, but my self esteem was still low. I don't think I actually. I don't know. It's weird. I like believed it, but I wasn't feeling it. You know what I mean? And it just took repeating it over and over and over until you just talk yourself into believing it.
3: We need to believe that. Yeah. We need to come up with statements that we believe. So that's part of, you know, sometimes we might be telling ourselves that we're, it's unbelievable, right? But when we're trying to work our way into that, we have to pick statements that we believe. So that's part of it. But also, when we think about the what I talked about earlier about the definition of, of self-esteem, it's not a solely intellectual pursuit. And so, you will never build your self-esteem just by telling yourself. Mm-hmm. Do we need to tell ourselves that? Yeah. Can we only do that? No. We have to act our way into new thinking
2: by focusing
3: mm-hmm. on, I mean, in my opinion, self-efficacy and self-respect.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: In AA, they would call it build self-esteem through esteemable acts. Which is basically what I just said. We're going to act our way into our beliefs.
1: Yeah. You just like practice it in real life. You practice
3: it in real life. When we think about self-respect, and that goes right along with values. And we think about self efficacy, like believing in ourselves, like I can do this on the tiniest levels, in the most mundane, everyday ways, right? Mm -hmm. I can do this. I can, even if you don't know exactly how, just trusting yourself that you can do it. You'll figure mm-hmm. it out. It's, it's doable, right? Mm-hmm. So we only have to focus on the acting part mm-hmm. of it. If we really want mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: to believe it and believe it and
3: have it be lasting and help somebody else, right? We can't help somebody else if we haven't helped ourselves. There's some really down in the ditch ways that we can talk about building self-efficacy if you want to look at that. But the self-respect part is, is a lot tied to the ideas that we have about ourselves, The values thing, knowing what we deserve, but that's still pretty abstract. Also thinking about the ways that you already are acting that show that you deserve more. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. I think for me what really helped in believing that was the practicing stuff too, like things I wouldn't do before, such as have a hard conversation with a friend that I normally wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. Or even just Strike up a conversation with a stranger—something I'm never comfortable with. Just yep. like, let me just try to do this, and yeah, agreed.
3: That's mm-hmm. exactly
1: little things like that. Yeah,
2: yep,
0: yeah. And it's such a ongoing process. I've been working with you what for like four years. And we just had this conversation the other day how the reason why I'm scared right now about this like weird transition where I'm like, what am I going to do with my career? What, where am I going to move to? My lease is ending. And it all fell back to trusting myself that it's going to be okay no matter what happens. So the more I build my self-esteem, the more I'll trust myself, the more I'll grow up. It just all goes together.
1: happily ever after. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Laura's always like, Karen, there's no happily ever after. There's no final <laughs> destination. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> we need to cover this again uh, <laughs> okay i had an epiphantly epiphany, epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> i had an epiphany recently and i feel like this happens a lot i'll show up to our sessions and i'll be like i know you've said this before but it like really hit me this time yeah. when something happens and it hit me the other day about relationships now that I think I'm in a healthy relationship or at least healthier than before. Now I'm able to look back and see how unhealthy my previous relationships were and everything I was settling for. And so even though I already knew they were unhealthy to a certain extent because you and I had talked about it, but now that I have – something healthy to compare it to, I realized the severity and it makes sense because growing up with daddy issues, like my dad abandoned me. So I never had a healthy sounding board to ever compare, you know, when I would go into a relationship. So what advice do you have for people, Who are in similar situations as Daniel and I who didn't have the most emotionally available parents around and they don't know. Like they're accepting trash because they don't know anything different. They don't even realize
3: it. Right. Well, it feels like, okay, yeah, we got it. But if you're not focused on yourself and your values and the things that we talk about the whole rest of the time then it's going to make it difficult for you to know what you deserve. The other person and then that relationship is really just a reflection of
2: mm, you. Uh-huh.
3: And so as you begin to get better, then you probably will notice an incremental change in the people, but that's just because it's reflecting your own inner landscape, right? Like it's just, we've talked
1: about this before and, and yeah.
3: Yeah. So again, instead of turning too much external, instead of focusing on the other person, which is like, how do I find these people that can give me what I deserve so that I can have this experience? Well, if you're, if trust that if you're doing the work on yourself, you will have those experiences, right? Cause they're just reflecting back to you. So it's just, it's just information. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're in one of those situations, it's just information. Like for me, if, I, if I'm in a situation where I'm like, okay, I don't think that was that great. It's information like, I think you need to go back and do some examination. Just check in with yourself. Did you abandon yourself at different points in time in that situation? Mm-hmm. Do you need to do some more healing? The hardest parts to heal that maybe the other parts you've already done, but this is the sticking point. Or It's just a chance to go back and reflect on yourself. I think it's also important to kind of broaden our perspective on what it means to experience something healthy because yes, you're right. It does help a lot when we then have the healthy thing where we're like, Oh, okay. I see. And then when we move forward, then we have a better idea of what it looks like, but we can't wait for that to come. In this case, we're talking about a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm got to broaden our perspective and think about where other relationships, where you do experience that friendships, maybe it's your relationship with me to some extent. It doesn't have yeah. to be the deepest relationship where you're talking all the time. Just think about the people in your life that are providing some of that because it's here. It exists, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to see it, right? You're going to have to open your eyes to it to help you so that you're not just waiting I love that I had
0: never thought about that but even using my relationship with you as an example even to go on a first date because that's like when it's confusing like or maybe a few dates because you don't really sure. know but yeah well I can always compare them to you because I could think of so many first dates where I settled and I went on a second date but now that I'm comparing it to how I've been with you and how I felt about you ever since my very first phone call with you, that yeah. would have been a great sounding
1: board.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So for all our Dululu besties who don't have Laura in their life, yet, nope. they can compare this podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I think, yeah, that's the trick is once you start discovering these things about yourself and I guess just growing, you're not going to be, we're not going to be accepting the same things we were accepting from guys before. Yeah. because guess oh, about yeah. now, if you went on a date with, um, what's his name? Wait, can we say Which his one? Name?
2: Say, I don't care. <laughs> Don? If oh you want to dawn a day with Don
1: now, like, would you even Remember give him the time of day?
3: <sighs> I think get boats, <laughs> is it because y'all met on a boat? Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was the first red flag. <laughs> <laughs> don't meet anyone on a boat. <laughs> especially so, in Miami
2: ew, uh, yeah
1: it <laughs> sounds so cringe <laughs> <laughs> right but, but no but you know now you would not even give them like the no, time of day absolutely you probably wouldn't even not. number
0: and not even comparing it to the relationship I have now but even just yeah. comparing it to Laura like <laughs> I was so excited when I first met Laura versus a- the first time I met this guy it was boring yeah, I just kept boring. trying the yeah. whole time
3: like
1: okay maybe now
0: it'll
3: get exciting <laughs> yeah I'm
1: I remember that <laughs> thinking
3: about, I mean, I guess this is just another way of saying when I brought up about like, think about me, for example, or like our relationship, thinking about other people around you who have what you think you want, right? Who are other people that are embodying the things that you want, or maybe they have healthy relationships or something like that, and then to some extent trying to emulate as long as it's in alignment with your values, you we know, mm-hmm. put on somebody else's mask, but just noticing that like oh that person really has what I think I want how Mm -hmm. are they getting that just be careful about assuming too much right because we can look at things on social media or whatever and then create a whole story about who somebody is and how they are and whatever and it's not actually true so make sure you really know them Yeah, they are authentic Mm -hmm. that's another way of doing it Mm -hmm. Wait, and one other thing I want to talk about, I don't know what we were talking about the other day,
0: but it really stuck with me when you were like, we will give you the most beautiful packages with the most
3: ugliest wrapping paper. Yeah. The most beautiful gifts and the ugliest wrapping paper. Yeah, Yeah. So yeah, don't discount the things that are hard and painful because some really good stuff comes from those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's the going into the pain and allowing them to, to feel painful that allows us to go through it and get to the other side but we're getting the, the gift
0: of it oh we're talking about healthy relationships so on point because we were talking about how this healthy relationship I've been now I almost threw it away because I was like he's not giving me the flashy things he's not whining and dining me so I had to go through that discomfort and now I can see how toxic all of that was when I was getting it in the past <clears> hmm <throat>
2: Huh, funny. there
1: you go yeah. <laughs> yeah. so just going through any like really negative experience
3: Yeah. yeah that's what you, mean. you just have to be careful right because if we're, if we're too far if we're too close to our like older versions of ourselves we, the negative experience can be such a like we get down on ourselves mm-hmm. that's not what I'm talking about when I say go through pain and discomfort right unless you notice yourself being hard on yourself that's valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I experience this rejection or whatever, I get really down on myself. Well, getting down on myself is uncomfortable, and if I just stay there, that kind of pain is not going to be constructive. If you start to notice, wow, I'm really down on myself. That's not helping. That's not accurate. That's not an accurate perspective of me. That is helpful, right? So mm-hmm. it's like we have to go through and really allowing yourself to feel when you when you don't like it when somebody jerks you around, right? Like they're mm-hmm. they're in touch, they're out of touch, they're in touch, mm-hmm. they're out of touch. Well, allow yourself to really feel the pain of that. Because it's giving you information. Mm-hmm. You need somebody to be in touch. Get to know. Yeah. Thanks. I'm sure I've told you this before when you talk about guys. You maybe not, but it applies. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like Oh, fuck, another, it didn't work out again. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I would want do <laughs> to, instead of that, or maybe do a little bit of that, we all need to like throw a tantrum and just like get it out of our system and, yeah. you know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: whatever. But then move on. Instead, say thank you. And thank you so much for that information. Like, when somebody mm-hmm. shows you who they really are, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Like, and thank you for showing me this early. I'm so glad I found out yeah. on week six. And not month six or mm-hmm. year six or right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Might like, be appreciative. Why would you want to hold on to something that was not for you?
3: Thank you. Yeah. Oh, this, is good. <laughs> this is good. Yeah.
0: And all of this sounds so easy. Like I'm sure people listening could be like, oh, well, obviously. But you know what? <laughs> Wait till you're in that
2: yeah.
0: desperate moment. Right. See how you react. Yeah. But, but You're well. going to be like, what's Laura's number?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's definitely easier now. Like once you've gone through it several times, it gets easier. Yeah.
3: Because that's what we're describing here and what you're alluding to there. Those are the esteemable acts that I was talking about. Mm. How to build self-esteem. It's like go through it a different way than we used to maybe go through it and watch how it builds and builds and builds.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming. You've definitely changed me and Karen's lives. And I'm just so happy that, yeah, we got to share with our listeners your wisdom.
3: Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so proud, very, very proud of what y'all are doing. I hope that it is making you happy because if it is... I really think it could help a lot
2: of people. Yeah. So uh, I'm just, I'm very proud of y'all. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me.